So this morning, we're going to look together throughout the morning at Psalm 23. In fact, if you want to take out your Bibles, it's on page 441. Psalm 23, probably the most famous chapter in all of Scripture, right? If you've only memorized one chapter of Scripture, this is probably the one you know. Even people who aren't Bible readers know Psalm 23, right? It's a chapter that, that gives us great comfort especially when we're facing challenging times, often death. It's right at funerals, right? And so it, in some ways it's fitting we're talking about it today, looking at it today. Some of you may know this is the, the one-year anniversary since we said goodbye to Chris Vanderslice uh, exactly a year ago. It's the four, for me personally, it's the 14-year anniversary since I said goodbye to my father. Um, and my guess is all of you can think of somebody who, who you had to say goodbye to, and it's hard And my guess is the words of Psalm 23 were part of that process of recognizing God through the challenging times of death and and sorrow. So it's a psalm that we often turn to in those those darker times, but it's a a psalm that also leads us through life if we read it right, if we read it more than just at those, those sorrowful times of death. It brings comfort and direction as we live our daily lives as well. So many of you could probably recite the verses right along with me. Well, I want you this morning just to listen as we read this very famous and well-known chapter again. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23, it's not a chapter that I really want us this morning to dissect too tightly. Right? There, there's many passages in Scripture that, that are all about that. They're, they're about dissecting the words and the phrases and coming up with five points or, or three major points that all start with the same letters so you can easily remember them. And, and we dissect them like we dissect a sentence, right? And, and that's great for many chapters. This is not one of those. I think to dissect Psalm 23 would be to lose its heart and miss what it's really trying to do. You know, I think back to when I was in college I worked at Calvin College over the summers, and one of my summer jobs was at the Fine Arts Center, their performing arts center. Um, I would spend hours up in the rafters running follow spot, right? The spotlight on stage for a play or a musical that follows the person all around stage. That was my job, is to hug this big lamp and follow this person everywhere they went. It was a great summer job, and I really enjoyed it. The challenge is, is it ruined every single play and musical I went to after that because I'd just sit in there and I, instead of paying attention to the musical, I'd think about the follow spot. Oh, they messed up that pick. It ruined everything, right? I focused on the wrong thing. I dissected how the follow spot operator is doing rather than how the musical is going and what it's all about. 
We can do that with Psalm 23. We could dissect it and we'd miss it. It would take away from what God is really trying to say to us. So this morning is going to be a little bit different this morning. We're going to reflect on on the various assurances that God gives us in Psalm 23. And in each assurance, we're going to spend time afterwards in prayer, listening to it and applying it to our own lives and connecting with God on all of those assurances that he gives. And it's fitting, I think, it's fitting that we have those, those personal conversations, those personal prayer times with God, because this is an intensely personal psalm. The Bible often talks about the importance of community, doesn't it? The the importance of of being together and being God's people. And it would be so natural for the people of Israel, who first read this psalm, to hear it, to hear it and think of the Lord as their shepherd. To picture this, this whole flock of God's people being tended to and cared for by God, the good shepherd. They would think that because that's what they've been invited to think all over the place in Scripture. Right in Psalm 78, it, that, that psalm recounts the history of Israel's escape from Egypt. And it says these words. It says, God brought his people out like a flock. He led them like sheep into the wilderness. Or Psalm 80, verse 1. That, that prayer, that psalm is a prayer. And it starts by saying, hear us, shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock. Isaiah He describes God as the one who tends to his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs into his arms. He carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have young. So God shepherds his flock, his community, his people all together. Jesus takes on that image of a shepherd and applies it to himself, doesn't he? In John chapter 10... Jesus, Jesus is talking with his disciples and, and he's talking about the, the difference between a good shepherd and a bad shepherd. And he says to them, I am the good shepherd. I'm not a hired hand who runs away when the wolf comes, when the lion comes, because it's not their sheep and they don't care about their sheep. He runs away and then the wolf grabs his lamb. He says, I'm the good shepherd and I defend my sheep. I stay there. Look at me as a shepherd who loves his flock, who loves his community. But that is not the image that Psalm 23 gives us. It's not the image that that David wants you to see in your mind. This psalm is intensely personal. It does not deal with community. It it does not deal with a whole flock. You don't see any references to the flock. It doesn't start by proclaiming, the Lord is our shepherd, we shall not want. No. It starts by saying, the Lord is my shepherd. My shepherd. This is an intensely personal psalm. It's a powerful declaration of God's loving care for every single person person that he loves for each one of us for you for you specifically so this morning I want you to see and experience both God the Father and Jesus the Son not as the shepherd 
not as our shepherd, but as your shepherd. Just as David made this psalm personal for himself, I want you to make it personal for yourself. Dare, dare to connect with the shepherd this morning. We're going to give you times to pray, maybe some times of silence in that prayer, for you to be with your shepherd individually, each of you. Do it. Connect with God this morning. David begins that, that connection. He, he connects us by declaring that, that God, this shepherd of yours, declaring that, that he has made it so that you lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. How does, how does God our shepherd, how does God your shepherd give you all that you need? Give you that assurance? Well, he starts right away by saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. What does he do? He makes, makes me lie down in green pastures. Can you picture that? Can you see yourself as a sheep lying down in green pastures? It's peaceful. It's calm. It's full, right? A pasture is a place, place for food. He's giving you all that you need. And I don't think David is so concerned about God giving us all that we need for our stomachs when he talks about lying down in the green pasture. He's not just talking about the abundance of food that God has given us. He's talking about the hungers and the desires of life that we have deep inside of us. The hungers that continually try to tell you that you don't have enough. The hungers that continually try to tell you that you aren't enough. He says, this shepherd of yours gives you profound contentment in life. That's the picture we see. Contentment. Something you and I desperately need in our lives. Because we have so many hungers that feed our discontent, right? That hungers that leave us feeling inadequate or, or maybe unfulfilled. Hungers that leave us empty on the inside. We crave money and material possessions and there's always more to be had, isn't there? We're never satisfied. We crave accolades in our careers. We, we crave achievement in school. We crave peace in our families and with our friends. We crave recreation and entertainment and excitement. We crave bigger and better adventures. And all these cravings aren't bad. I'm not saying those are things that are all bad. You shouldn't want those. That's not true. They're good, many of them. But they do leave us feeling discontented, often feeling inadequate, unsatisfied maybe with our possessions, unsatisfied maybe with ourselves. Because if we're looking for true satisfaction from all those things, we're not going to find it because true satisfaction only comes through our shepherd, through God. It's only when we see ourselves through the light of God's eyes, through his vision, that these cravings will subside, that we'll realize that we have enough and that we are enough. 
And if you're hearing a voice anywhere in your life that tells you you don't have enough, if you're hearing the discontent somewhere saying you are not good enough, you are not enough, listen to that voice, identify it, and then let God speak to that voice. Hear your shepherd saying, you are enough for me. I have given you all that you need. Walk away from that encounter with your God, with your shepherd, with a profound contentment, hearing him say, you have enough and you are enough because you are mine. And don't let the hungers of, of money and power and success and, and whatever else you desire steal that, that shepherd's voice, that shepherd's contentment. So think about your own life for a moment. Reflect on your own life. What are the hungers that you have? What desires keep you striving and pushing and toiling, and yet they never seem to satisfy? Where is your, your sense of discontent? Where do you believe that you are not enough? It's precisely that area of your life that the good shepherd wants to show you the green pasture that he's brought you to. He wants to satisfy you with his contentment. And so he invites you, he invites you in this good place, in this safe place, in this full place to sit down, relax, rest in the tranquility of his green pasture. Less striving, more resting. We're going to spend a few moments in prayer together, praying for that kind of profound contentment in our own lives. And I invite you to honestly identify some of those places in your life where desire is is keeping you discontent. And ask if God might help you to rest, to experience his contentment, to give you satisfaction for those hungers. So I'm going to invite Sandy, if you'd come forward to lead us in prayer. Sandy's going to lead us in this time of prayer. And afterwards, we're going to take our offering, which is our expression of that contentment with all that he's given us. Thank you, Sandy, for leading us. Shall we pray? Father, thank you that you are my shepherd. That you desire a relationship with just me. Father, you are my creator. And you still want to be my shepherd. I can stand before you, God, and say I'm fully loved and fully accepted. And that you created me with desires of the heart that are in line with what you want, God, for your kingdom. And yet, God, so often our desires are impacted by the things of this world. The cravings or the coveting or the merit society where we need to earn it. And Father, you remind me that is, that is not your kingdom. 
you remind me that we, I, am enough. And Father, in this world, the difficulties, the hardships, the challenges, the sorrow, the pain of this world, and you ask me and invite me beside quiet waters. You invite me to the place beyond words, to a deeper place of my soul. And as we sit next to the water in the green pasture, God, may we be reminded that you are not calling us to a place where there's always answers, where all of our whys get answers, where there's not always fixes, and where things don't always make sense. And yet, in that green pasture, there is a deep place within us that doesn't need a thing but you. Father, help us to sit in that green pasture to truly understand that we are enough so that we can receive what you have for us to just to be present with you, God. To receive the love and the grace that's found in pastures green. Father God, remind us but even though we know in our heads we don't believe we earn it at all. But remind our hearts that to just be your child in your presence is enough. Even when everything around us feels like it's falling apart. And in those moments of green pasture, God, as we receive from you, Father, you even have joy. Joy for each one of us, for me, as your sheep. Amen. The song gets us moving. Right, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. And up we stand. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Doesn't that sound wonderful? He refreshes my soul. And I hear the rain falling outside and I realize we, we take water so for granted, don't we? the refreshment that it brings, the life that it gives. The people of Israel didn't take it for granted because they experienced what life was like without it. Remember when they walked out of Egypt and they went into the desert and it wasn't long before they realized there's no water in this place and they complained to God because they were thirsty, they were parched, they thought they were going to die. And what did God do? He made water come from a rock all the water they need. And they realized 
the life-giving, refreshing power of water. It not only gave them their physical life, it restored them spiritually. It restored their hope for the future. They went from death to life because of the refreshment of the water. That water transforms brokenness into wholeness, death into life. And here the shepherd promises us just that. He leads me beside quiet waters and refreshes my soul. It's about restoration. And all of us here this morning need that restoration because all of us are broken. All of us have been broken. And we're living broken. We've been broken by pain. We've been broken by the difficulties in life. We've been broken by sin. And we need a quiet place to heal. We need a quiet place out of the storms. Just like this place right now, right? A quiet place out of the storms. Storms may be raging all around us. And here we are in a quiet, safe place. We need that for our lives. You need that for your life. And we need someone to carry us, to protect us, to love us, to bandage our wounds, to give us restoration again. And God says, I'm that shepherd who will do that. When the storms of life rage, I will bring you to the quiet waters. I will restore your soul. All of us here this morning need that healing from our brokenness. All of us here this morning need someone to complete us because we are incomplete as we are. We can't see the whole picture of what's going on. We can't even see the whole picture for our own lives. We don't know what the future holds. We don't know why we're here. We don't know what our purpose is. And Jesus the shepherd says, I'll take care of you with that. I will restore you. He'll bring us the quiet restoration waters to help us see and know our value and our purpose and make us whole again. What a gift. What a beautiful image to be led beside those restoring waters. So we're going to spend a few moments in prayer again and let that good shepherd invite us to those waters the refreshing waters. So I invite you to dare to tell him in this prayer time where your soul is hurting, where you need that restoration, where you feel broken and weary. Tell him where your soul is empty and where you need your value and your purpose reestablished because that's exactly what he wants to do for you. Sandy, will you lead us in a prayer for restoration? Father, as our shepherd, you restore, you refresh, you heal. Help us to allow that in our lives, God. Help us to allow your deep soul work within us. 
because you reminded us in scripture often that in this world we will have trouble and it doesn't always go away God but when we are with you beside quiet waters you want to restore and refresh my soul the deepest part of me and Father, in those moments when we're with you, sometimes we just need to release our frustrations, the inconvenience of life, the unfairness, the rejection, the abuse, or the grief, or the injustices we're experiencing. God, you want us and invite us to be honest with you about all of those things. Father, you know what's inside. And you invite us to share it because you gave us a Savior who also experienced all of those things. And he understands. And Father, in those moments as we share those things with you, sometimes we uncover something even deeper. whether Satan is using fear or shame or anger to get in the way of going deeper with you, our shepherd, and to truly experience restoration. Not where things are fixed, but where within ourselves we can be honest about ourselves, honest about the unresolved pain, and honest about where our soul is hurting and empty. Savior Shepherd, in those moments of honesty, as we face ourselves, you also remind us, Savior Shepherd, of the resurrection. And you invite us into the power of the cross. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, God, we can receive healing in the deepest part of ourselves. Healing that doesn't take away the injustice or the hurt, but healing that helps us to know that we know our Redeemer lives. And that some of the most difficult times in our life can be used for his kingdom glory if we allow it. That he will take some of our most painful moments and difficult times and use it for his good. And Father, even when our world is falling around us and it feels like it's turned upside down, in these moments, you can refresh our soul in such a way that we can say it is well. It is well with my soul. And once again, God, you can restore our value and our purpose in this world. And you can refresh us to return 
into the work you have called us. Amen. We're on the move with our shepherd one more time. Away from the waters this time. He says, he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. For his name's sake. In other words, out of, out of loyalty to his character and to his promises, God, our shepherd, will not let us go astray. He'll guide us along the right paths. He promises his protection and his direction as we live our lives with him. And that, and that, even that right after that promise, the very next line says, okay, he just promises protection and direction. Then it goes on to say, even though I walk through the darkest valley, what kind of guidance is that? If his guidance leads me right into the dark valleys or the valley of the shadow of death, what kind of protection is that? Well, you know what? It's the best kind of protection. It's protection that doesn't depend on your circumstances. It doesn't depend on where you are. It doesn't depend on what's going on around you. It's protection that only depends on who's with you. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Our security doesn't depend on our environment and everything being right and easy. Our security depends on us being with the shepherd, and the shepherd being with us. Because you and I know, you know for your own life all too well, that there are dark valleys that you will walk through. If you haven't already experienced them, you will experience great fear, great disappointment, great sorrow, great heartbreak, great pain in this broken world. Those valleys cannot be avoided. Try as you might, you cannot avoid them. But you must always remember that you never walk through them alone, ever. If you stop in the middle of your darkest valley, your, your darkest moment, your greatest pain, and are able to look around and have a little bit of vision, you will see the shepherd there with you, protecting you, getting you safely to the other side. Right? And, and the psalmist David tells us that, that he gets us through with his shepherd's tools. He says he's there. If you can see him, you'll see him there with his, his shepherd's rod. The shepherd's rod is a short, heavy club, like a, like a small baseball bat. And the shepherd uses that to protect his sheep. When the wolf comes, when the lion comes, he picks up his rod, and he'll beat away the enemy to keep you safe. And when Satan comes for you, when Satan does his worst to break this world, to break your life, to bring evil and pain and darkness and hurt into your life, our shepherd picks up his rod and he beats back the devil. He beats back the power of Satan and says, no more, no further. You may not have this one because this one belongs to me. You have a shepherd standing there with his shepherd's rod. You will be protected by him. You have a shepherd there with a shepherd's staff. The staff is the long stick with the, with the hook on the end, right? And, and as you walk, he won't let you go astray. He'll tap you with, 
his staff to keep you on the right path. If you walk too far, he'll gently with the hook pull you back home again. He won't let you get lost in the valley. He won't let you get stuck there. When you're tempted to wander away, he'll pull you back to himself. That's what a good shepherd does. So no matter how dark, no matter how frightening your valley might be, you have the antidote to fear. You have the shepherd there with you. And I don't know where all of you are. I can't see deep into your hearts and into your lives. I would guess that some of you here this morning, you can relate to that picture of the green pasture. You are lying safe and secure in the green pasture filled with everything you want and life is good and you're enjoying that pasture. Be careful. In that open pasture, when all seems well is when sheep most often wander, when they get themselves into danger, when they leave the shepherd. But I would guess some of you, when you heard the the dark valley image, you said, that's me. That's where I'm at. I can't feel that pasture. I'm in the valley. That's exactly when you need to know of your good shepherd's fierce protection on your behalf. Wherever you are, God, your good shepherd, is there to willingly and lovingly guide you with the staff and protect you with his club. He's there. See him. Feel him. Know him leading you through the valley. So in these next few moments of prayer, see where you are and see that you're not alone. God's there with you and ask him for that fierce protection. Ask him for that gentle guidance. Ask him, the good shepherd, to lead you through the darkest valleys of life. So, Lois, would you come on? Would you lead us in prayer, please? Will you join me in prayer? Our dear shepherd, thank you for the picture that this psalm paints for us. We can imagine a little lamb wandering around a grassy meadow, mostly unaware of the dangers and enemies around it. Yet its shepherd is watching, preventing it from stumbling over a rock or falling into a crevice, keeping it from the edges of the pasture where predators lurk. You tell us that each one of us is that helpless lamb, and you are that watchful, patient shepherd, fiercely dedicated to keeping us safe. Thank you for keeping us from the clutches of Satan and the power of sin, for protecting us even when we are unaware of danger or when we are paralyzed with fear. Thank you for guiding us to the right people, the right places, the right choices, even when we resist your leading and want to go our own way. Good Shepherd, speak to us as individuals in these moments of silent prayer and remind us of your unfailing love, of your constant presence, and of your great power. Hear us as we confess our sinful desires to do what we want rather than go 
and do what you ask us to do. Please work in our hearts so that we may trust you and your promises. Lord, please hear our silent prayers. Lord, accept our prayers in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Worship team, will you come up, please? And will the rest of you stand, please, and join us as we sing together? Our image changes radically now in Psalm 23. Suddenly, we aren't outdoors anymore. Now we are indoors. And suddenly, we're no longer sheep. Instead, we're guests at a great banquet. And suddenly God is no longer our shepherd. Instead, he's our host at this celebration. But, but the truth of the first image and the second image is the same. This is still a, an intensely personal event. Right? This banquet, as far as we can tell, only has, has two people present for the banquet. You and God. That's all, two of you. It says your, your enemies are, are looking in through the window, but they can't touch you. They can't, they can't get in. This is you and God together. And that honor is known to everyone because it's not, even though this is a, a intensely personal and private event for you and God, the whole world knows because when you are honored by God, you can't hide that from the world. And so, and so see this image. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. It's an image of, of all the blessings that God has given to you. This, this great provision from God. But you know what? The greatest provision he's given you isn't his stuff. Even though he's, he's filled you with blessings that are overflowing, right? That's what we see. We see a table heaped with your favorite food. We see your cup that never ends overflowing with blessing. God has honored you greatly. He has blessed you greatly. But not with stuff. Not only with stuff. The greatest provision as you look at this image is not what's on the table. The greatest provision that this God gives you is who's at the table. God's there with you. He wants to be there with you. He sits down to the table in order to be with you. It's exactly what Jesus made possible. Right? When, when Jesus rolled the stone away from that tomb and walked out alive, he opened the door to this banquet to this table, to this place for you. You are now welcome in the presence of God, forgiven and set free. And God says, my child, come on in. I've been waiting for you. I love to be with you. I want to be with you. We celebrate, yes, the provision of all the blessings God's given us in this life, and he has been way too good to us. But far beyond that, we celebrate the greater provision of his presence in relationship with you. So take, take these moments 
to put your provisions in perspective. We're going to spend time in prayer. I do want you to look over your life, this earthly life, and all the blessings God has given you to give thanks for the lavish feast that is set before you. That's worth giving thanks to. Your cup is overflowing with blessings. But even as you see all those gifts and give thanks to God, compare those blessings to the who at the table. Compare those blessings to the life-giving, eternal life-giving relationship that you have with God Almighty through the cross, through the empty tomb. See the banquet table set for you and see God sitting there with you. Lois, would you please lead us again in prayer? Let's pray together. Almighty God, it is astonishing that you have chosen to invite any mortal into your holy presence, and yet you have honored us with this unimaginable blessing. Thank you for the gift of your constant nearness. Thank you that you provide not only for our physical needs and comforts, but that you dwell in us. Forgive us when we let material items and experiences cloud our hearts and eyes to the blessings that flow from you. Please hear us as we silently give you thanks for the abundant gifts that you shower on us, the greatest of which is a living relationship with you. Lord, hear our prayers of gratitude in Jesus' holy name. Amen. So we're sitting at a banquet. You're sitting at a banquet. You're at a feast with God in relationship with him. And we end with a promise that that banquet, that feast, will never, ever end. What a celebration. God's promise to you is that what he has begun... He will bring to completion to the very end. This banquet is not temporary. It's not just a one-night thing. The goodness of God, the love that God has for you will follow me all the days of my life. All the days of your life. He will never walk away from you. This banquet goes on every day that you live. And you know what? He ends by saying, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When your life comes to an end, things will only get better. God's promises then will make you a permanent guest at the table in his home. And you know what permanent guests in somebody's home are? They aren't guests anymore. They become family. You are welcomed as God's child. God's home becomes your home, which is exactly what Jesus promised us, right? In John chapter 14, the disciples are anxious about the future. They're anxious about eternity. And in John chapter 14, Jesus says to them, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you 
that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. There's a place in the very presence of God reserved for you for eternity. Right? I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David wants you to see this picture of love and grace and relationship that will never end. The Lord is a shepherd who will never stop loving his sheep. His rod will always be there to protect. His staff will always be there to guide. The Lord is a host who will never send you away from the banquet table, who will never send you out the door. He will never stop opening his home and his heart to you. That's a promise that you can own, that you can claim. That's a promise that can carry you through the tough times of life, no matter how tough they might become. That's a promise that when you comprehend it, when you believe it, when you accept it, when you know it, it will shape your today, it will shape your forever, and you won't help but to have thanksgiving welling up out of your heart to God for this relationship that will never end. So we're going to do just that. We're going to give thanks to God together in prayer. And we're going to celebrate his promise of goodness and love for us every day of our lives and for eternity. Would you pray with me? Father God, we certainly do know the brokenness of this world around us. We've experienced it and we see it. We know about the bombs being sent in the mail. We know that bullets fly in a place of worship, leaving 11 dead and six wounded. We know that the poor are trapped in poverty and are vilified for trying to get out. We know that people are hated because of the color of their skin or their country of origin. We know that bodies are broken and breaking down. We we pray with Dave and Marla Ritzman as Dave anticipates heart valve replacement surgery on Tuesday. And, and many of us here can relate to the pain of brokenness in our physical bodies as we wear out and break down. And all of this awareness of the brokenness of life leaves us longing for a better day. Longing to experience the world as you first created it to be longing to experience peace and goodness and graciousness and wholeness and love instead of brokenness. And so this morning, Father, great shepherd, we cling to your promise that that day that we long for is coming. That you, Lord Jesus, are coming back again and when you return, you will make all things right again. We cling to that promise that you will come and you will wipe every tear away from our eyes. And there will be no more death and no more mourning and no more crying and no more pain. Because this old order of things that we're living out right now will be done. And you're coming bringing a new order, a glorious, healed, 
whole, refreshed, restored order. We hold on to that promise, Jesus. And it's that promise that gives us strength for this day and bright hope for tomorrow. It's that promise that keeps us moving through this life. And so we thank you for that promise, for that hope and assurance that you give us. And we ask that that promise may not only transform our eternity, but may that promise also transform our today as well. Because you are making that restoration promise come true already here now. You are using us, your people, to usher in peace where there is violence, love where there is hatred, joy where there is sorrow, healing where there is brokenness, grace where there is wrong, forgiveness where there is guilt. You are using us to usher your kingdom in, preparing the way for your coming, Jesus. So may we live as kingdom ambassadors right here, right now, even as we wait for your kingdom to come. We thank you, Father, for the calm confidence and the clear calling that your victory promise gives to each of us. And so in this moment of silence with you, each one of us, we receive that calm confidence for eternity and that clear calling for today. Thank you for the truth you speak to us, Father, that your grace is enough to conquer all the brokenness of this world and that your grace is enough to restore us as your sheep, as your child, into relationship with you. In Jesus, amen.